Well, let's jump into the message today. Uh, we're going to continue our series, I've Decided, uh, through the month of July also. And uh, really, it's a series on discipleship. It's a series on what it means to follow Christ. Uh, last week, I told the story behind the, the, the popular song, I've Decided to Follow Jesus, uh, about, about a, a family who really laid their life down because they were so committed to following his way. And so for the last uh, four weeks, uh, we, this is week five of the series. And so if you missed any of those, you can go back to our podcast or on our, our Facebook, YouTube. You can go catch up on the messages. And, and we hope you would do that because I think this is uh, one of those messages that's key to understand if you're going to follow Christ. You know, a, a, a Christian means a Jesus follower, right? If you're going to follow him, his ways, you have to understand what exactly it is he's calling you to follow. And this is what this series is about, saying I, I'm making a decision to follow. Because the truth is, every single day, we choose to follow someone or something, um, and whether it's ourselves or it's some kind of um, voice in the, in, our, in the media or in, in the world, we're, we're following somebody. So the question is not, um, are you following, but who am I following? That's really the question we need to ask ourselves. Who am I following? Who am I allowing to influence my life and uh, speak into my life so that I become like those voices? Uh, because when it comes to followership, when it comes to discipleship, it's impossible to be a disciple or a follower of someone and not end up like that person. So if you're following somebody or you're listening to something all the time, eventually you become like that. So pay attention to who you're listening to, who you're following, because at some point you're going to become like that person. And that's what Jesus was inviting his disciples into by saying, come and follow me. And so for the month of June, we'd walk through the four different Gospels. And for July, we're going to walk through them again. Um, and what we've been saying is Jesus is inviting us in, right? His followership, it starts with listening, but it doesn't end there. It also has, has to have action included. Um, and so Jesus, is, like we said last week, he's inviting us into, into following him into something that's bigger than any of one of us can accomplish alone by ourselves. And so what he calls into, it's something large, it's something that we can give our life to, and uh, he invites us into that, all right? And what I believe is in this process of following Jesus, he's helping us to become somebody, right? Because uh, the truth is, every single day, you're becoming somebody, I'm becoming somebody. Um, it's not a question of, of, are we becoming, but who are we becoming, right? And I, and I think one of the questions you have to ask yourself is, if, if you want to know if, if you, who you're becoming is good, just answer this question honestly, right? The question would be this. If, if there was more people like me in this world, right, like a lot of people in my city that were just like me, would my city, would my family, would my workplace be better, or would it be pretty complicated? Would it be per, would it be hard to work in? Honestly, if you answer that question, most of the time we're going to say, well, I'm awesome. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome environment. It's going to be an awesome place because I'm awesome. But the truth is we really ask and say, okay, when it comes to what I, what I, the value I add to those people around me, is it a, a, a value where I'm putting them first or am I putting myself first? And if it's you putting yourself first all the time, you're the environment that would be created from who you're becoming would be a negative environment. But if you're saying, I'm living in such a way that I've added value to others, then you're, become, you're, you're adding value and who you're becoming is actually a good thing. Because the truth is, when we let God change us, it's not only good for us, but for those around us, right? Uh, so when you become better, uh, your environment environment becomes better, your family becomes better. And that's really what God is calling us into. He's saying, I want to give you a way to live in such a way that you would impact people all around you. When it comes to, to being a Jesus follower, he's saying, let me lead you, right? And when it comes to the fact that as Christians, we're saying, uh, Jesus is, is, is Lord and I'm not, right? That's, that's the first thing. We lay down our rights, like he said, we take up our cross, we follow him. We're saying, you're, you're the leader, I'm the follower. And what that means is we're surrendering, saying, God, you are God and I am not. Um, and in our culture, everybody's worshiping something or someone. And sometimes it's ourselves. I love Tim Keller. He's a pastor in, in New York. He says this, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. So in your life, if you, if, if, if the God you're serving, right, the God that you, that you put first in your life and how you make decisions, 
if that person um, is not ever disagreeing with you, like when I read scriptures, I know there's a lot of things that God would say, Eric, I don't think it's the best thing. There's a disagreement, right? And I submit to him. I say, okay, you know better, so I'm going to follow your way. Well, if, if what you're worshiping, what you're following in life, if the direction you're going, if there's never any disagreement, and it's just do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, whenever you want to do it, uh, it's a good chance that the God you're worshiping is just a, a, an aversion of yourself, an ideal version of yourself, right? And you don't let anything stop you because it's whatever you want. And Jesus comes and says, that's not, that's not the way it works, right? You're, you have, there, you, you crave for something much more, something bigger than just living for yourself. In fact, if you did everything you want to do, that life would be too small of really a life to live. Um, because at some point you'd get bored because it's not what you were created for. We were all created for something so much more. And so in this series, I've decided, who are you who have you decided to follow? Um, are you following just an ideal version of yourself? Are you following you know, political party? Are you following um, what popular culture says? Or are you saying, God, I want to follow your purposes for my life and, and let God lead us and guide us in that, in that uh, journey? And so uh, the Gospels, the four different Gospels we talked about last month, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, these four writers wrote for, from different perspectives. They wrote, wrote to different audiences. And today we're going to go back to the book of Matthew, and we're going to, we're going to work on, on that gospel again. And what gospel means, the four gospels means the good news, right? Um, they're known, these four are known as the four evangelists, the four that take the good news, right? The four that have shared it. And, and so two of them were, were disciples that followed Jesus, and another two were disciples of the disciples. They, they, they were the ones who uh, listened to the stories and wrote about it. And so we're going to talk a little about that. But before we do, I want to read this passage in Revelation. So at the end of the Bible, there's a, there's a, a book that John, one of the disciples, the one that wrote the Gospel of John, he writes Revelation also. In Revelation, he's seen uh, these, these, these images and these visions of heaven. Um, and in this, in this vision, he notices that there's these, um, these four uh, beings that there are present at, at, God's, at God's throne, right? So in heaven, he's there. He's, he's in his vision. He's seen heaven. And he, he sees these four creatures. And this is what he talks about. Here's what he says in Revelation 4, Revelation 4, 6 through 7. It says, In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes front and back. So already we're kind of like saying that's kind of weird, right? He says this, The first of the living beings is like, was like a lion. The second was like an ox. And the third had a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. So when, J- when John sees this vision, he's not the only one in the scriptures that sees it. If you go back to the Old Testament, Ezekiel, uh, the, one of the prophets, uh, he has, this, has a very similar vision. He sees these same four beings. And he talks about how these four beings have these, these heads of, uh, that, are, that are different. Uh, they're different characteristics of the, of the heads, right? So one is like a lion. One is like an ox. Uh, one's like the human face. And the fourth is like an eagle. And so Ezekiel sees it. John sees it. And he's pointing out. And what, what uh, scholars have, throughout scriptures have said is um, these, these really point to the four gospels, right? So we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and each of them point to a characteristic um, that we see in Jesus' life. In fact, I would say this, for the month of July, as we go through, I've decided, we're going to talk about those four exceptional qualities that we need to have as Jesus followers. And we find them in these four different Gospels that that, uh, are pointing to the way Jesus lived, right? And so the lion, that would be Matthew, right? The ox would be Luke, uh, I'm sorry, Mark. Um, The the human face would be Luke, and, and the eagle would be John. Um, and we'll talk about those characteristics for the next four weeks, right? So today we're going to talk about the first exceptional quality that we need to have, right? That we need to develop and allow God to work in us. And if we're becoming who God wants us to become, this is one of the things we have to develop. So the four exceptional qualities, the first one we're going to talk about is confidence, right? Confidence. Um, there's, there's a lot of different words we could have used in this. It really is tied, confidence is really tied to authority. It's really tied to this idea of purpose an identity of who you are, who you know, you know who you are. So when I say confidence, that does not mean confidence in any human form. 
Um, I don't have confidence in Christ because of how awesome I am. I have confidence in Christ because of how awesome he is. I don't have confidence in this life because of how eloquent of a speaker I am. In fact, I have confidence not because of how eloquent, but because that God has asked me to do something beyond what I can do in my own uh, natural ability. And so when I do that and I step out, he uses my, my willingness to say yes, to do, to do something, to accomplish something. And in your life, this is what God is looking for in your life. He's, he's looking for a willingness for you to step in to these different areas of, of maybe your family, maybe your workplace, maybe the world, and say, yes, I'm willing to use whatever I have to be a blessing to others. I'm, I'm willing to use what you want to put in my life to help others out. Um, and in our church, we talk about the gifts that God gives us, and he gives us all different gifts. And so when we operate in those gifts, when we let God give them and, and use them, we make a difference in our, in our life. And so confidence is a big one. You know, we look at the Gospel of Matthew. When he writes, I can see this writer, he's writing with confidence about Jesus being the king, right? Uh, the king of the universe, being the king of the Jews. And so Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, it's a bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's, in fact, the way he writes, he's writing in such a way, like if you, if you read the Old Testament and jumped into Mark, you would be really confused. Like, this makes no sense. Um, I don't know what's going on. But when you read the Old Testament, you start with Matthew, it's like a bridge. He's building that bridge from the Old to the New. In fact, he uses the most prophecies from the Old Testament to show Jesus fulfilled these prophecies. Not just a few, but so many of them throughout the Gospel of Matthew. He's pointing back and saying, hey, the prophets talk about Jesus being born here. Here's where Jesus was born. The prophets talk about Jesus and his family moving from this place to this place. Jesus did that. And over and over he says that. You know, The prophets talk about Jesus as the king, the king of the Jews, the king of, uh, um, would come and he'd bring with healing, healing the blind um, and the lame. And the prophets talk about this. And Matthew records it and says, hey, just so you know, this is, this is pointing back to what the prophets said thousands of years ago, uh, hundreds of years ago, right? And in some cases, he's saying, now Jesus is fulfilling what they talked about. And so Matthew is building that bridge. And the Gospel of Matthew, I think of Matthew, we talked about this the first week. He was a traitor to his people, right? And so he chose what you would think in, human, in, in the human mind, the stronger team to be on. So he knew the Jews were weak because the Romans were dominating them. So he said, um, I'm a Jewish person, but I'm going to choose the Roman side because they're stronger, they have more power, they have more might, so I'm going to choose them. And he betrayed his people to be able to ta- uh, gather taxes for the Romans, right? So he made a lot of money. So he was hated by the Jewish people because he was a tax collector. What does Jesus come? He comes into the scene, and who does he choose to be one of his disciples? A traitor to his people, right? The, the very person who is saying, I'm against what, what, uh, what the Jews are doing. I'm going, to, I'm going to join the other team. And Jesus says, hey, Matthew, come and follow me. And so when Matthew is writing these things, right, about Jesus being the king, in fact, they call it the gospel of the king because he keeps pointing back to the kingship, to the lordship, uh, to the power of who Jesus was. If you read the miracles that he talks about, he's pointing out how there is nothing that's greater than Jesus. He overcame every single thing, blind, uh, blindness, um, uh, paralysis, right, uh, death, <laughs> sickness. Over and over, he's pointing to all these different things, hunger. He can overcome all of those things, and Jesus is, he's showing that Jesus is the king. And I can see Matthew as he's writing uh, the, the, the eyewitness account of what he saw in Jesus. There's this confidence saying, I know who Jesus is. One of the first things, in fact, we see in Jesus' life that Matthew records is this idea that when Jesus is going to start his ministry, um, it says that he goes to John the Baptist, he gets baptized, and that a voice from above comes and says, uh, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And it says as soon as Jesus comes out of the water, the voice speaks, the next chapter starts and it says, then the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. So from, from this moment of, of God recognizing and saying, Jesus, you're my son. Um, I'm pleased in you. I have purpose in you. He's led, led into the wilderness. 
And it says while he was in the wilderness, the enemy came and began to confront him, began to tempt him, began to, to challenge him and try to get him to fail and to fall. And the enemy comes and he says, hey, Jesus, if you really are the son of God, right? If you are the son of God, turn these, you're hungry, even, even not, you haven't eaten for 40 days, so you're really hungry. Turn these, these bread into, these, these rocks into bread. Why don't you, why don't you do that? Show, prove, prove to everybody that you really are the son of God. Prove to me that you really are. And he says, if you are. And then Jesus passes the first test, right? With what? With the words in, in scripture. He uses the word to, to combat the enemy. And then he comes and says, okay, if you really are the son of God, do this. And he gives him another test, right? Um, and then the third test, he comes and says, um, if you will just bow down, right? He shows him all the nations of the world. And he says, if you'll just bow down, I'll give you all the authority to, to, to dominate, to rule all, all the nations of the world. And third time Jesus says, he, he quotes scripture and says, it's not, this is not the way God has it. And what I see is the very first thing that the enemy tries to come and get Jesus to question was who he was, his identity, right? He's trying to shake his confidence in who he is as a person. God still does this to us all the time. I know he does it to me. You know, he tries to raise up insecurities inside of my life. When I get up to speak, it's so interesting, right? So I'm speaking into a camera. I'm at church. I'm speaking from the stage. And there's these moments where I really have this sense or this little voice in my head saying, you're not good enough to do this. They really don't want to listen to you. And the whole time I have to fight this voice saying, you're not good enough, right? You shouldn't, you shouldn't be here. Which I know it's the enemy trying to do the same thing he did to Jesus, questioning, well, who do you think you are that you can do this? And I have to remind him, it's not who I think I am, it's who God thinks I am. It's what God says about me. It's what God is doing in my life. In fact, it was because of me, yeah, you're right, I don't deserve to be a prayer. I, don't, I shouldn't be doing that. But because I'm allowing God to work in me, I'm saying, God, um, besides my uh, work... In spite of my failures, in spite of my flaws, I want you to work through me and in me to help others. And God is looking for willing people to do that. I think you see throughout scriptures over and over people that do that. So confidence. So today I want to talk about the, those, those four exceptional qualities that we have to have if we're going to be Jesus followers. Right? And the first one is confidence. Uh, really it comes from this, this sense of you know who you are, you know what you're doing, uh, what God has called you to do, and you, you work out of that. There's this authority that God is asking you to, to walk in, to carry. Right? That we are... We're bearers of his image. Like we, when people see us, they actually see a, a version of Christ, right? That they are, they're seeing something in us that should inspire them, that should help them, that should encourage them because we're letting God lead us. That's the point of being disciples, that we become like the person that we're following. So on a daily basis, are you becoming more like Christ? If you are, then you're accomplishing what God has asked you to accomplish. You know, I heard this story about this, this teacher, this rabbi. Uh, one day he's walking home um, after, after being out and doing ministry and, wor- and working all day. As he's walking, he's praying. And as he's praying, he comes to this fork in the road, and he's so caught up in his prayer that he doesn't realize he takes the wrong turn. And so while he's walking, he, he, he walks, and, and, and the sun's beginning to set, starting to get dark. And as it's getting dark, he notices he comes to this big wooden fence, this big wooden gate. And, he, and, and by the time he, he realizes that, he, that he's in a place he doesn't really know where he's at, and he's lost, he's thinking, where did I, where, where, I must have taken a t- wrong turn somewhere. Where did I miss missed take that, that that turn and there's a voice from above that says who are you and what are you doing here and the rabbi he thinks wow that's a really good question who am i and what i'm doing here and he's pondering it because a good rabbi would ponder a question and and he's waiting and trying to figure out well, that's a really good question and the voice you know a little irritated he's not answering fast enough comes booming from above even louder who are you and what do you what are you doing here and the rabbi says that's a good question. How much do you get paid to ask that question? And the Roman centurion, who's guarding the, the, the gate, he says, two denarii a week, Jew, why? And the, and the Jewish rabbi says, I'll pay you twice if you'll come to my house every morning and ask me those two 
questions. Who are you? And what are you doing here? In this story, one of my favorite stories, because it's a reminder that this Jewish teacher, this Jewish rabbi, right, he understood the importance of those two questions. In life, when we forget who we are, when we forget what we're doing here, we get off track, we chase all kinds of things that never will bring fulfillment, we look in all different sources to try to help us find joy and peace and happiness, right? Because we're, 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 we get off course, we get misdirected. Who are you and what are you doing here? When, when, when Satan was tempting Jesus, he was, he was making these two accusations to, to, to Jesus. Who do you think you are, right? And he's trying to get him to, to, to question the identity of who he was, that he was the son of God. As Jesus followers, all the time he wants to question who we really are. You know, it's our identity of who we are. And he tries to remind us, you know, maybe some of you, when you think of who you are, you might think of maybe there's an addiction that's attached to that. Maybe there's something else that, that, that you struggle with. Um, who you are, maybe, maybe when you think of that, it's, it's attached to a responsibility like father or mother or child, right, or student or, or boss or, or worker. Whatever it is, when you think of who, that, who you are and the identity of that, there's always a responsibility attached to that. Who are you and what are you doing here? When I forget that I'm a father, it becomes about me. When I forget that I'm a Jesus follower, it becomes about me. When I forget that I'm a husband, then everything becomes about me. And it's not their needs, it's not my responsibilities of those things, it's just about me. Who are you and what are you doing here? See, the enemy wants us to make it about us and only about us. And, and Jesus say, no, no, you have to grow up, right? Every kid starts that way. When you're, when you're a toddler, when you're small, it is only about you, right? I'm hungry, um, feed me, right? I'm dirty, clean me, right? It's, it's this, this progression of just me, 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 me. And then there's, we train them to get a little older and then it becomes, when it's an adolescence, it's, it's, it's me and my friends, right? It's those that I'm in relationship with, and who, who, it doesn't matter who else. We see this going on in our culture all the time, right? It's, it's me and my group. It's me and the people that I associate with. It's me and my political party. It's me and, and that's the group that we associate with. But you know what? Those aren't mature people because they don't care about the rest of the people. They only care about their circle, their friends. A mature adult gets to this place where he says, I am now have kids, right? I have responsibilities. So it's not me first. If I have to take care of these responsibilities, and I'll trust as I do that, God will take care of me. See, in our, in our culture, we have too many babies, and we have too many immature teenagers running around, wanting the world to do what they want them to do. And we need more adults. We need more responsible people that say, I'm going to grow up and become that person that takes care of my responsibilities, and that helps others. So who are you, and what are you doing here? When we can answer these questions, um, I believe we have confidence. I, re- I believe the reason Jesus had so much confidence in what he was doing in fact, the, the teachers, they would say, where does he get so much authority, right? And the people listening to his stories would say, this guy teaches like he has authority. Like there's some confidence, there's a boldness. There's something about this man that is different than the other teachers. He had authority. Why? Because he knew who he was. He knew what he was doing there. Matthew ends the gospel. Throughout the, throughout the gospel of Matthew, he's talking about the king. He's telling stories about the kingdom. Uh, he uses the word authority quite a bit. And he ends the gospel by saying this. He says, Jesus, after he... Died on the cross, rose again, spent 40 days with his disciples. He's about to go back to heaven. It says that Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Jesus said, I have been given all authority on, in heaven and on earth. Right? So he says, God gave me all the authority. And then he says this, therefore, in other words, I'm going to pass this on to you now. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So go. Go and do what I've done for you. Go do that for others, right? Do things get w- with your life to make a difference. Use your life. Make it count. Use this short time on earth to help others 
know God's love. He says, all authority has been given to me. I'm now passing it on to you. So these are the disciples that have been following for three years. He says, guys, the same authority that God gave me, I'm giving to you. Go and make disciples. This same authority he gave to the disciples is available to us today. He, as Jesus followers, the same thing he says to us. Now you go and do what I've done. And he ends right before he goes to heaven. He says this, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Teach them. Right, to obey, help them to see what it means to be a Jesus follower. And be sure of this, I am always with you, even to the end of the age. And he says, essentially, my presence will be with you. I'm, you're going to carry my presence everywhere you go. So as Jesus followers, he wants us to live with boldness. He wants us to live with confidence, not because we're so good, but because he's really good. And we're carrying his presence with us. What does that mean? That means everywhere we go, we have the presence of God with us. Then when we walk into a room, the atmosphere should change because we're there. When we encounter an issue or a challenge, we should be able to bring a solution. Why? Because, because we have something in us that's greater than whatever we're facing. We have something in us that nations can't stand against. We have something in us that the devil can't stop himself, that demons can't stop. We have something in us, the Spirit of God, to be able to accomplish the things God wants us to accomplish. And he's just looking for somebody to say, I'll take this and I'll use it for good. You know, in the beginning of, 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 of the story in the, New, in, the, in the Old Testament in Genesis, God encounters this man named Abraham. And he says, Abraham, uh, would you follow me? Would you, would you let me lead you on this journey? And he tells Abraham this. He says, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be a blessing to the world. So essentially, Abraham, I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to bless you. But the purpose of that is not just so you can be blessed, not just so you can be happy, but so you can be a blessing to those around us. Here's what I know about authority, right? The purpose of authority is to bless to protect, to provide, to nurture, and to edify. That is the purpose of authority. One of the reasons we have such an issue now with politics and, and, and business is because when somebody has authority, they think the reason they have authority is so they can be blessed, not so they can be a blessing. And so they create laws that protect them but doesn't protect the people they're supposed to be protecting. They get the benefits for themselves, but they don't give the benefits to those that they're supposed to be serving. And part of the reason we have such an issue in culture is because we don't understand what authority means. See, authority in Scripture, it means to place your hands on somebody and pass on something that you have. So when, Jesus, when, when God is giving Jesus the authority, he's blessing him and saying, I, I give you the authority to go do what I'm asking. And then Jesus says to the disciples, I'm passing on the authority to you to go do what I want you to do. If you're a father, if you're a mother, when you, when, when you talk to your kids, you're passing on something to them. Hopefully it's an authority that says, you go and be like me. You go and do what I've done. In fact, that's exactly what you're doing. You're, 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 you're granting the ability to become like you. You're saying, the way I speak, you speak. The way, I, the way I do things, you do things. And they're watching us and they're learning. Our kids become disciples of us, right? That's like the idea of what it means to be a Jesus follower. So when we're following Jesus and letting him work in our lives, we're saying, God, develop something in us. And so I think when Matthew is writing about the king, he's saying, guys, hear me out, right? When I was, when I was a tax collector, I chose the stronger team because I thought they were going to win. So I abandoned the weaker team. And then Jesus comes along and says, Hey, Matthew, you're still on the wrong team. Come join my team. Come and be part of my kingdom. And he invites Matthew to be a part of something so much greater. And then the disciples, they question over and over if, if Jesus really was that. right? Because they're thinking king. They're thinking he's going to dominate and, and rule over Rome. And Jesus say, No, that's not, that's not my time yet. That's, that's in the future. Right now, it's just working through people. It's passing on the authority to others to be able to do what I do, right? He's saying the purpose 
is to, that, that I bless you as you can bless others. So many of you that are following Jesus, his invitation is not just so you can go to heaven. It's not just so you can have a good life. It's really saying, can I bless you so you can bless others? Can I do something in your life so that you can be free from those things so you can go help free others? Can I give to you so you can give to others? God is still looking for people like this, right? That he can use, his, that will use his, his authority for the right purpose, for the right reason. He wants to give more, but then we give it away, right? We submit to him. The authority passes to us, and then it passes to others, that we bless others. So we're supposed to use, Paul says this, use our authority to build up others, not to tear them down. So in life, whenever we're doing things that tear people down, we're abusing the authority God's given us. Whenever we use the blessings just for ourselves and we don't pass them on, we're stopping what God wants us to do. And the people that say, God, I'm going to keep using what you give me to help others, are the people he continues to bless and continues to help bring their authority. And when we live that way, there's a confidence, it should be a confidence in us that says, it doesn't matter what I face, I know God's going to do okay. I know God's going to work this situation for his good. Whatever I face, you know, during the COVID season, one of the reasons I've been so confident through this whole thing is because I know that, that there's something larger that's going on than just what we, what, we, what we have going on here on earth, right? God is wanting to do something bigger. God is wanting to do something better. And it's not just what I face on earth and in the, in the scene, but it's in the unseen. D.L. Moody, uh, a great pastor minister, he says this, if God is your partner, make your plans big. If God is your partner in life, make your plans big. God is looking for somebody to share his kingdom, to share everything he has his authority with, right? So they can go and do what he did. So Matthew is saying, here's the king, here's the authority, right? Go and do what he's done. And Matthew, I can see Matthew going with confidence. After he writes his, his gospel, he's going around the world, starting churches, helping people know Christ with confidence, knowing it doesn't matter what you do to me, God has called me to do something that's bigger than just myself. Proverbs says this, Right? So if Matthew is the face of the lion that we see, this, this, this four different faces of Jesus, right? these four aspects and characteristics of Jesus' ministry and life, if Matthew is writing about the lion and he's saying this is one of the exceptional qualities we need to have in our life, he's saying you need to be bold. We need to have confidence. Right? Proverbs 28 says this, The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. Righteousness. Right? He's saying when you do what's right, you'll be bold as a lion. When you wake up and you're following God's lead, you don't have anything to fear, right? But the wicked, they just run in different directions, even when nobody's tracing them. But those who are doing what's right, those, those that are godly, he's saying you should be bold as a lion. He's inviting us into this journey. God is saying, let me lead you so you can have boldness. You can, you can use your life to help others. So I, th- I think the question we'd ask is this, am I following Jesus? On a daily basis, am I following Jesus? It starts with listening, right? It starts with, with action. It starts with saying, I lay down my rights. It's this daily uh, journey of saying, God, would you work in me again today? Help me to become who you want me to become. Help me to surrender, right? Help me to lay down my rights. Help me to lay down my desires so you can work inside of my life. So you can help me become who you want me to become. And he's inviting us into that. So I would say this week, if you want to begin to have confidence, you have to answer these questions, right? So this is my challenge this week, maybe it's on a daily basis. You have to write this down somewhere. And you have to put it on your phone and, as a reminder. Answer these two questions. Who am I? And what am I doing here? And if the answers to those questions are self-serving, and it's only about you, if it's full of insecurity, right? I'm not good enough. Well, who am I? Well, I'm an insecure person. I'm not good enough. Then you're, you're missing what God has for you because he wants to lead you in that. Paul says in his weakness, God is made strong, right? Paul, Paul knew he had weakness. One of the, the greatest... 
um, disciples that, that took the gospel everywhere in the world, he said in his weakness, God has made strong. Even he had weakness. So we, it's not that we ignore that and don't acknowledge that. It's just saying, despite that, God says, I am who, who he says I am. I'm, I'm the son, right? I'm the, for some of you, you're the daughter of the king. I'm the son of the king. So what does that mean? It means I should have confidence. Why was Jesus so confident in his ministry? Because he knew who he was. He knew what he was doing there. And when people try to get him off track, he would say, hey, that's not what I'm about. At one point, he called Peter the devil, right? Because Peter was trying to keep him from the cross. He says, no, who I am is, is, is the, the sacrificial lamb who's coming to sacrifice my life for the salvation of many. I'm, I'm the son of God. I'm the lamb of God that's coming to help others. Don't, don't miss that. So in your life, who are you and what are you doing here? When you wake up today, who are you and what are you doing here? For me, when I wake up and I ask those questions, well, I'm Eric, right? So some of my responsibilities, I'm a, I'm a Jesus follower. So what does that mean? Well, that means I need to incorporate some prayer, maybe some time where I'm, I'm reading and, and, and seeking God during the day. I'm, I'm a father, so I'm saying, okay, so my responsibility as, as husband, as father, right, is that I, that I make sure I serve others, that I do my part, my responsibility is to make sure my family is healthy, right, as a pastor, that I'm, I'm making sure that I'm doing what I need to be doing on a daily basis. So I'm asking the questions, who am I? You know, what am I supposed to be doing with that authority? And our authority is in different areas. It's in our family. It's in the workplace. For some of you, it's in the government, right? And in, um, in, in, in business and in leadership. There's these different elements that God is calling us and giving us authority. All of us have authority in some sense, in some way. So whatever sphere of influence you have, that is where God's giving you authority. So when you walk into that place, walk with a little confidence. Like, I'm here today to do accomplish a job. So when somebody comes up and something's happening, you can have the confidence to say, can I pray for you? You have the confidence to say, I'm going to change that. I'm going to begin to pray for that or against that. And Jesus invites his disciples to say, says, would you go and do what, what I've done? So for me, I've decided to follow Jesus. And I pray that I will live with confidence. I will live with that authority that he's given me so I can help others to know him. You know, as a pastor today, as I think about authority, if God has given me authority and, and my sphere of influence is the grove, um, then I want to bless you. I want to be a blessing to you, right? So I work hard on Sundays to say, how can I prepare? How can I challenge people to do that? But then I've got to speak that and let you guys know as a church and you're a blessing to our world. You're a blessing to our city because of your faithfulness, because of your generosity. There are people in our city whose lives are being turned around, being transformed because you're a part of that, right? And so today I just want to say I bless you and go take the authority God's given you into your, into your families, into your workplace, into our city, into our streets and begin to live with confidence says, because I'm here, sickness has to leave. Because I'm here, Sin's going to go away and, the, and, the, and demons have to flee when I, because I'm here. Things change. See, Matthew wrote, the, wrote, wrote his gospel. He's pointing out all these different people that God did miracles for, the different conversations, the different people that he did miracles for, right? The, the disciples that were following him. And they're all different kinds of, of, of people, right? Rich, poor, um, male, female, right? Influential, not influential. But at the end of the day, it says this, they were just ordinary men and women who were following him. Some had demons that, that he set free that now begin to follow him. Some, he performed a miracle and they begin to follow him. Others, they were just doing their job and he said, come and follow me. And they followed him. Because they made a decision to follow him, I'm here. I'm following Christ. Because somebody down the road said, I'm going to take that authority and I'm going to help others know God's, God's work and God's love and God's purposes in this life. So today, Grove, can I just bless you and say, be used by God. 
Go into your family. Go into the workplace. Uh, Parents, pray for your kids and know that you have authority in that sphere of influence, that God wants to bless you so you can bless them in the workplace, when you're working, when you're leading teams, right? If you own the company, God wants to, he's blessing you so you can bless them. If you're in government, God has blessed you, put you in a position so you can bless others. Look for ways to say, God, I want to use my life, my talents, my skills to help others. So this week, answer those two questions. Who am I? And what am I doing here? Who are you? And what are you doing here? And if you do that consistently, it'll help remind you of your identity and your purpose, of what you're supposed to be accomplishing, that you don't forget it. And maybe, maybe in that time you need to ask God, God, who am I? And what am I doing here? God, really, who am I? What do you see in my life? And what am I doing here? And then let God do that. Write it down. Ask that question over and over so that God can, can reveal that to you. All right? Awesome. Hey, if you're watching today and you're not a Christ follower, I want to give you an opportunity to say, today I want to make that decision. I want to be able to say at some point in my life, I've decided to follow Jesus. And for some of you watching, today's that day. I would love to lead you in a prayer. In Revelation, John says that Jesus, he, he has this picture of Jesus, right? And he says, here I am, I stand at the door and I knock. Here I am, I stand at the door and I knock. Of your life, of your heart, I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person and they will eat with me. So John is saying, Jesus is knocking on each person's life, looking for a relationship looking for opportunities to get together and meet and to help us out. So today, if you're, you're watching, you're ready to make the decision to follow Christ, I want to lead you in a prayer. It's just a, an invitation relationship saying, God, I, I, I surrender my life to you. God, I want to follow you. I want to be able to, to, to understand who I am through you and because of you and what I'm supposed to be doing with my life, that purpose. So today, if you're watching and you want to pray this prayer with me, uh, would you say this prayer? Say this. Say, Father God, today... I give my life to you. Thank you for sending Jesus to give us an example of how to live, for dying on that cross as a sacrifice for our sins. Thank you that he's alive again today, that he has good plans for my life. Today, I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my mistakes, of my past, of my sins. Forgive me. Lead me into this relationship with you. Help me to make a difference with my life. I invite you in. I say yes to you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.